Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and on this episode, we have not one but two interviews, both for the hit Amazon series Hannah, which was recently renewed for a third season. For those of you that haven't caught Hannah yet, it follows the journey of an extraordinary young girl raised in a forest as she evades the relentless pursuit by off-book CIA agents while trying to unearth the truth behind who she is. The series comes from the night manager's David Farr and stars Esme Creed Mills in the lead role as Hannah. The two people I'm chatting with today are the film editor Morton Hoybier and the cinematographer Ollie Downey. Morton's interview is up first and he discusses getting into the film industry in his native Denmark before moving to London, where he is now based. We talk about the editing process on the show, mixing together the coming-of-age drama with the thriller elements, and also his use of sound in the mix to represent some of the incomplete visual effects whilst he's editing. We also chat about his responsibility for cutting the pilot episode, which he did for season one, and setting the tone and pace for the entire show. Here's the interview with Morton. It's lovely to be able to talk to you about Hannah. Yeah, thanks very much for, for talking to me. Hannah was one of those shows which had been on my list to watch for ages, and mm-hmm. I, I just hadn't got to it because I have to watch so much TV in this job. There is so much stuff to watch, isn't there? I mean, it's overwhelming, actually. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's all high-quality stuff as well. I yeah. mean, the marketplace is just saturated with really decent, high-quality TV right now. It's great. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. So I binged my way through two seasons over for the course of about a week and a half. So for you, it's really present. You yeah. Have it, yeah. Okay, cool. So it's great because cool. I've, I've literally just finished watching it. You've been involved really right from the beginning as well because you've, you've edited four episodes, but one of those was the pilot, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Before we get into the specifics of Hannah, how did you get into the editing business in the first place? Well, that was a complete coincidence, actually, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, because, yeah. uh, you know, when I was kind of in my, my late teens, I was like drifting around in Denmark and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life actually. (laughs) And, you know, I'm from this little village in the Danish countryside with no, I I mean, I didn't know anybody from the film business or have had any kind of idea about film or anything like that. So I, I kind of found myself in Copenhagen in my late teens and somehow I got hired as a runner in a production company that made uh, like advertising. Right. That was like just a coincidence. I mean, I, I, need, I guess I needed a job somehow. And, you know, I found that how I don't remember anymore. how I got <laughs> that, But, you know, 
Anyway, and that was right about the time where the first edits started to, like the digital right, yeah, yeah. editing software came out. Up until then, it was you know, a physical thing on a Steinbeck table with actual film rolls and yeah. tape and scissors and all that stuff, you know. But right when I kind of arrived at the scene as a runner was when this whole digital thing happened. Mm. And my production company that I was working for, they bought one of these, like one of the first ones in the country. <laughs> And I remember I was just like blown away by this thing. And it's ridiculous to think about now. But yeah, I was like, whoa, you can have actual like video running on a computer screen <laughs> and you don't have to rewind like a VHS tape. You can just click and you are back and forth. And it's like, wow, this is insane. <laughs> and I was so fascinated. So, you know, I, I started just in my spare time to kind of take some of the advertising, some of the commercials that they were making in this company and just you know sit in the evenings and try to learn this wonderful new machine and just cut weird and bizarre random short films out of commercials <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know you know i knew right then that this is what i want to do this is amazing and this is great i love it yeah you know since i discovered that i haven't actually done anything else that was it wow yes so completely random but you know right place right just, time <laughs> exactly i just stumbled upon the right thing at the right time that was it you wouldn't believe yeah. the amount of people i talk to in the tv and film industry that was like well i never intended to do this <laughs> i yeah. just stumbled <laughs> into it you know yeah i guess i guess yeah for sure because you you never you don't really know i mean i didn't know anything about editing no, you know? no. I, I, I don't think it ever as a kid or something i don't think it ever crossed my mind how you actually edit something when it comes to hannah you ended up being involved right at the very beginning you're editing the pilot episode i mean that's quite a lot of pressure i imagine because it was sort of a film originally so there was a, there was a film mm -hmm. and then they decided to make the tv series how did you approach editing that first initial episode because that is essentially the thing that is going to set the tone for everything that follows it yeah pretty much i guess it is but i mean i i think these things is is also a question about not thinking too much about it while yeah. you're doing it because yeah. you know because of course i mean you know the pilot episode showing the first cut of that to all the executives and the network and everybody of course there's a lot of pressure on because that's like the culmination of years of preparations and work and anxieties for a lot of people and yeah. like this is this is it this is the moment of truth what 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 do we have here <laughs> and i guess maybe the trick is to not think too much about it and just <laughs> kind of go with your instincts and, and do what you normally do, I guess. And then I think also, of course, it's about having like allowing time to kind of build relationships with like the brilliant David Farr, who wrote the show yeah. and who's the creator, you know, because in a way it's all about building trust, I guess, because film and, and TV is, it's such a subjective media. Yeah. It's not like mathematics. There isn't really right and wrong per no. se. Of no. course, there is stuff that we tend to do and there's like dramatic rules and all that but it's not really carved in stone right so it's important to work with people that you kind of understand and who understands you and who when you say something it should be more like this or it should be more like i would like it to be more kind of sinister and dark or whatever mm. i mean what does that mean it yeah. means different things to to everybody but it's to allowing time to kind of build this relationship 
relationship where when I say something, the people I'm working with knows what that means and, and vice versa, you know? Yeah. So to kind of build this thing that we can kind of trust each other and that we're kind of talking the same language, because as I say, it's such a subjective thing and you can really talk. I mean, sometimes you can walk out of a meeting and think we were talking about the same thing. We, we kind of agreed on this and that. And then it turns out that no, we didn't at all. I mean, it was completely, <laughs> it was completely two different directions. We just both camps kind of thought we were talking about the same thing, but you know, yeah. so I guess that's a lot of it. And that's really something as well that kind of takes away everybody's anxiety. I think when we are doing this pilot episode and of course, I mean, the pressure is even greater for David Farr yeah. for sure, you know, because, you know, and so for him to have people around him that he knows he can trust and he knows that if he has this in this suggestion or thought or idea or conversation, then kind of landing in the right place or in the place that it's intended or something, you know, I think that kind of helps take the pressure off, you know, the collaboration, actually. Yeah. How did you get involved with it? Did you know anybody involved in it beforehand or was it just no, something I didn't. that came Not through at all. Yeah. Not at all. I, I didn't at all. I, it was just through the agent, which is a, a relatively new thing to me because in Denmark, that concept doesn't really exists i guess because right, the, yeah. the business i guess is so small in denmark or, yeah so you don't really i mean that would be like a, just an unnecessary layer of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. of people because we all know each other so that's not really a point yeah but here i guess london is so much bigger yeah it was just through the agent and then you know i have a meeting with the director and i have like a talk with david and a talk with a great friend of mine now who is the executive producer tom cohen who yeah. was obviously on both series of this and mm. you know get to know them have talks and what do we want to do and then yeah take it from there that that's you know yeah dramatic as it is <laughs> in terms of the editing it, it's a interesting show to approach because you've got this odd mix of a kind of coming of age story with mm -hmm. a quite a heavy thriller over the top of it as well does that alter how you edit the thing together trying to get those elements to work together totally but that's also kind of the challenge in a show like this, I guess, to make all those different elements work together and kind of intertwine in a way that you never you never lose Hannah as a character and her kind of character arc and her driving through the story. But you also kind of never lose the quite heavy thriller plot, actiony plot that it has. And I guess that's kind of just the challenge. And I guess a lot of the time you tend to just stick to the plot. Mm. But then I find it just really useful to always have this you know these themes of identity and you know family coming of age to have those themes that's just like in the back of your head all the time you know just really think about it often and think that's something that is at the core of this whole thing but it's actually not something that we are talking so much about because i think it's pretty much in all of the scenes right yeah. so it's not really it's not really something that oh now we need to remember the identity part it's yeah. not really like that it's it's more like something we all know collectively and because we all kind of know it and it's really present subconsciously as well it kind of seeps through and kind of dissolves into the story yeah i guess yeah no, that makes and then sense. May I, yeah and then maybe also this thing about you know that it's so hannah driven it's so much about her and her perspective and her journey that's also on a technical level i guess that you kind of you, you experience a lot of the show through her eyes and it's kind of her experience the whole way through so you you probably also tend to kind of lean more 
on her in the scenes, like individual scenes, you you kind of weigh her more than some of the other characters and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, the, the show is named after her, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it comes to editing, were there any major plot points that changed in the edit compared to what you had in the script when you were putting the episodes together? I mean, I don't think I have ever worked on any project where we didn't change stuff, actually. And, and that also goes for this one. But we didn't change. I mean, there, there is no like huge change where we took out a character or, right. or turned something completely on its head or something. I, I think David is really a great writer and yeah. pretty solid. You know, most of it was pretty solid already in the writing. So if there was little bits and pieces that we needed to kind of solve in the edit, it's something that, you know, he helped with and, you know, he would like, maybe we should try to move that scene there instead. And uh, that would kind of work better and stuff like that is happening all over the place. Always. I don't think it, Yeah, I've at least never experienced not moving scenes around or, or stuff, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also there's always with dialogue because something really happens when you go from the written scene to the actual visual filmed scene. It, I mean, a lot of the dialogue that is important when you write it to kind of understand stuff and, and f- maybe also for the actors to kind of play the scene better turns out to be not necessarily useful when you watch the scene. You know, sometimes right. stuff becomes too kind of in your face or like, so that's another thing. You you always like cut out a lot of dialogue, I guess, because when you see it on screen, you understand so much more just by watching, for example, yeah. Esme. So if she had some dialogue pieces, you don't necessarily need them anymore because you can see how she feels or what she wants to do or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that's another element of that, I guess. Yes, yeah. Take the exposition out of it, I exactly. guess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There are, I think, six editors in total on the series, which, I mean, you're, you're one of the main two from what I can see on the IMDb page. Yeah. Is there communication between each of the editors in terms of trying to keep a consistency across the show? Yeah, we try as much as possible to do that and kind of watch each other's episodes, but not all episodes are done at the same time because yeah. of, you know, the production is kind of ongoing. When I start on the first episode, mm. it's going to be a while before some of the later episodes even start shooting Yeah, because it's kind of divided into different blocks. So as much as possible, we try to at least within the block that you are on, which is normally like a few episodes, maybe two, three episodes is like a block, right? Yeah. And sometimes they have the same director for that block. And then you kind of try to, to kind of have some sort of collaboration as much as possible with the other editors to, to see. And especially if you get any crazy ideas and try to change things, for example, mm. you need to kind of check that with some of the later episodes to see, does that even, yeah. how does that kind of affect the whole thing? Because it's a huge machinery, yeah. I guess. But again, that's mostly kind of David's job because he has the whole thing in his head and he knows. I mean, mm. if you, sometimes I would kind of suggest stuff because I felt like that would be kind of a better solution maybe in my episode. And of course, sometimes it would be, okay, great, let's do that. But other times it would be, no, we can't because, you know, in episode seven, yeah. this and this, and I like, okay, right. Yeah, I did read it, but I, I didn't remember yeah, that connection. Yeah. So sure. Okay. And he's like brilliant like that. He has, it's like, he has the whole thing completely present. He's like the best guy to ask if you want to, <laughs> 
if you want to mess with stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. You need somebody that has the entire thing in their head. <laughs> yeah, you totally do. And I guess as episode editors, we all tend to kind of really focus on our own episodes and try to obviously make them as good as possible up against deadlines and everything. So the dream would be that we could just have one big collaboration and constantly watch each other's episodes and, and make it completely yeah. fluid between us. But I guess reality is that we are all kind of quite busy. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of the things when it comes to putting together the initial edit of it, I guess, is, is a lot of the shots will be without things like VFX and mm. that sort of stuff. And whilst looking at it, you wouldn't think it's a particularly VFX heavy show. I suspect there's a lot more in there than is noticeable when the final thing comes out, as tends to be yeah. the case. How do you deal with that when you're cutting the thing together and you need to present early versions of it and that sort of stuff? How do you handle the VFX? It is really surreal, I think, to cut these sequences that are quite VFX heavy and you don't have any of the elements really, you know. Mm. So you, you just got to completely just use your imagination and, and kind of try to imagine it in the first episode of the second series yeah. where Hannah is being chased by a drone. Yes. Uh, Hannah and Clara is being chased by a drone. We didn't have the drone. I mean, the drone is is made in 3D afterwards. Right, yeah, yeah. So there was nothing. There was just like empty plates of trees and skies. And- <laughs> nothingness you know and we were kind of trying to figure out even how should the drone look like how big is it how far away is it all these kind of things is kind of something that we invented pretty much while we were cutting it yeah so that's really surreal because you don't i mean what's the timing of this what's the kind of the pace how fast is a drone yeah what can it do and how i mean i don't know so we just kind of in, invented that. And then, you know, I, I tend to play a lot with sound effects. Though, right. Because that's really, it's really helpful. You you really get a sense of the speed of the thing and of the distance, how far away is it. And by playing with sound effects while cutting, me just humming out loud <laughs> to kind of try to like orchestrate this whole thing and also putting like sound effects in yeah. to listen to, you know, a bit of a mix. But it's a weird thing. But but also, in a way, the brain is weird because the more sound effects you put on and the longer you're kind of sitting with it and trying to cut it, it's almost like the drone kind of appears. It's almost like the brain is just filling out the blanks yeah. of stuff that isn't there. And then, oh, I can hear it, so it must be there. And then after a few days, it feels like, oh, it's actually, I mean, that's fine. I get it now. It's <laughs> here and then there and then it's over there and then it's coming that way. And, you know. And you're just actually sitting there staring at like blank skies. <laughs> it's very, it's very strange, but uh, I don't know. You just got to use your imagination, but it's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. It is amazing how much just adding sound over the top of something can change things yeah. quite dramatically. Yeah. You can really cheat your brain, I guess, in a way that, you know, yeah. to just fill out the blanks and it's like, okay. Yeah. Out of the scenes you have edited for the series, is there any one particular one you were really pleased and proud of how it came out? We 
had a sequence which was really challenging, I think. It was uh, a scene in the subway in London. Yes, I remember. And uh, yeah, and like a long sequence, like a chase and the whole thing. I, I won't kind of spoil what it's about, but it's like a dramatic action-y sequence. Yeah. Of, and it's quite long. It's quite a big thing. And, and it was super challenging, of course, because, you know, they decided to shoot in the actual underground. Right. Which is, of course, a challenge because, you know, then the underground needs to shut down for a period and the logistics of that is just, it's crazy. Yeah. And I guess that's also why you don't see that very often because yeah. it's just almost impossible. You know? Upsetting London commuters, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a good thing to do, you know. <laughs> so I guess now, actually, in this whole corona time, it would have been the perfect uh, yeah. time to go and shoot some films. It's in the one of the most you know? annoying things about everything being shut down at the moment with the perfect time to be able to do some amazing photography yeah. out there and you can't. But yeah. And you can't. It would be amazing right now. I mean, totally. But back then, when everything was normal, <laughs> it was a problem. And it was a problem, of course, time-wise. How long can we get? How, how much time can they close down for us to shoot? So everything, of course, was really compressed. Mm. And it was just about in and just shoot, 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 uh, you know, as much as possible to give us enough footage for this whole sequence. Yeah. And I mean, I'm really proud of that sequence. I think it worked out really well. And I mean, we did spend quite a lot of hours in the edit of that sequence, but I think it I think it turned out really great, actually. Yeah, no, it's, so a, it's a fantastic sequence that, you know, the train's coming in and the way it ends as well. I, I really like that sequence. It's great. Yeah. I'm going to let you go, but a couple of final questions for you. Mm-hmm. And they're the same for everybody. We ask everybody the same ones. The first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Oh, the last thing I watched was Normal People. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which I thought was amazing. I thought it was great. Yes, that was the, uh, the BBC. It ran on BBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't it? Yes, yeah. I, in- I interviewed the sound editor for that. There's a really interesting okay. interview uh, that uh, you can go and listen to for that with the, the sound guy for it. It was fascinating. Because, uh, I mean, there's something, as I think often is the case, there's something like really simple about the whole premise of that. Yeah. And very often simple is great. Yeah. It's really great. I mean, I must say. Yeah, it's a good show, that. And then Succession. I mean, Succession, yeah. I'm yeah. completely obsessed about that too. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a fabulous series. Yeah, I mean, and that's hilarious. It's just crazy. It's actually quite scary that it's so enjoyable to watch somebody be so mean to each other, right? Yeah, Yeah. just awful, awful characters, but it is hilariously funny. (laughs) It's it's just brilliant. Yeah, it really is. And lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, can be something from the past, something present or some sort of future genre what would it be and it can't be one you've already worked on oh wow that's a pretty difficult question (laughs) i think uh, maybe my obvious answer would be breaking bad because i just love that yes so much but i think actually if i could go back in time and choose a tv show that i would work on i I don't know i I hope you have seen it but it's called the kingdom it's a danish tv show by Lars von Trier. i don't think i've seen it but i am very aware of it yes I, i guess it's difficult to find because it I don't know. It was made for Denmark's radio, I guess, uh, back in the early 90s or something. Right, okay. But that just made such an impression on me, that show. It's it's hilarious. It's about a hospital and the doctors and ghosts. And it's ridiculously absurd and funny and scary. Right. If you can dig out that somewhere, you should really try to see that because that's just amazing. (laughs) Interesting. And of course, I haven't seen it in years. I have a feeling that it's one of those that would still kind of hold up now and still work. Right. 
Right. Okay. So that's something that I have been thinking. Oh, I wish I was already an editor when they made that stuff because <laughs> that was just amazing. You know? Very final question: Are you working on anything else? I know you did one of the episodes of season four of The Crown. Yeah, I just finished that now. Which is a great show to work on. Very yeah. different to something like Hannah, but uh, I, I, I know you can't. You won't be able to talk about anything about it because it's not out yet. But uh, yeah, that's that's a wonderful show to work on. It is. I mean, action is a lot of fun to do and it's really satisfying but you know drama is equally great I think yeah. because sometimes just a simple dialogue with two people in a room having a discussion or like an argument or whatever mm. they have can be as exciting actually as a crazy uh, action sequence I think Yeah. so I mean I enjoy both equally Yeah. that was a great show to work on yeah. as well I'm very much yeah. looking forward to seeing that I suspect yeah. it'll be out later this year but we don't actually know yet but uh, no, no, we hope so yeah I think it's going to be an amazing season though yeah I'm very much looking forward to that I'm a huge fan yeah. of that series um, yeah. so any, anything else you're working on that you can talk about at the moment I know things are shut not, down and not really you know everything is postponed I have a couple of projects but I, I'm sure I, I can't actually talk about them yes yeah and also they are kind of postponed until further notice right yeah so not really sure you know but well, uh, yeah it seems like there is a few kind of really cool projects coming up mm. so hopefully this will kind of end soon we I can get so. on with things it seems to be opening up slowly virtually so hopefully we'll uh, we'll yeah. get there fairly soon yeah. I will let you go thank you for taking some time to chat I've got renewed for a third season as well so I'm I'm very much looking forward to that coming back yeah, as well that's excellent yeah and thanks very much for having me it was a pleasure you're very welcome hopefully uh, when the next thing comes out either season three of Hannah or one of the other projects we can talk again absolutely my pleasure all Good. right would be great brilliant all okay. right have a great Excellent. day i will talk to you soon cheers cheers bye bye so that was film editor morton hoybier next we have cinematographer ollie downey ollie chats about taking a sensitive and sympathetic approach to the look of the drama despite the action-packed nature of the show we also talk about working directly with writer david farr as a director on some of the episodes in this case and uh, keeping the visual consistency while shooting in a really wide variety of locations and conditions if you'd like to hear more behind the scenes interviews don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for geek town radio this will also give you our weekly geek town radio podcast which brings you all the latest tv film and gaming news you can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest uk and us tv premiere dates here's the interview with ollie 
And uh, I've just got these vivid images sort of imprinted into my head of, of you know, the crop duster flying low through the fields uh, yeah. and all this wonderful imagery. So I think that I was always kind of aware that someone had a job that involved making these wonderful images. And I thought I was going to study fine art, did a foundation year. And then uh, I like being around people. I like the camaraderie of a team. And the sort of solitary nature of painting or whatever it is was um, I sort of got a bit disillusioned with it really and I, it, the thought of doing it sort of intensively for three years and then having this kind of slightly solitary life sort of turned me off a bit and <laughs> so I did a sort of film course and graduated and then I kind of fell into assisting I, I make a job on a low budget feature film in Norfolk mm-hmm. and I got a job as a runner straight out of college on that and I kind of was drawn to the camera department and I spent sort of 10-15 years assisting and, and sort of working my way up through the ranks whilst always shooting on weekends and shooting loads of like oh god not the best very low budget <laughs> music videos and shorts you know every yeah, weekend yeah. years and years but brilliant you know really exciting times doing all that low budget stuff where you can take risks and you don't feel pressured and yeah so that was sorry it's probably slightly waffly answer, that's, that's alright yeah that's um, it really so uh, how'd you get involved with Hannah did you know anybody involved on the show beforehand or was that just an agent thing it was just an agent thing and i think sometimes when second or third seasons come in it's less attractive because you you kind of want to be at the forefront setting it up and you know making it your look well you know yours and the other hod's look but when this came in i was really aware of i'd seen the first episode of the first season that was shot by uh, dana gonzalez yeah and i remember just thinking it was a brilliantly sophisticated and kind of elegant hour of tv drama really cinematic and really really interesting so I was kind of my interest was piqued because of that then it was the directors and producers involved really the series producer the lady called um, Laura Hastings-Smith now she produced uh, Justin Kurtzel's Macbeth and Steve McQueen's Hunger and many others so she's got this sort of brilliant back catalogue of really interesting work so that piqued my interest. And then the directors, Abe Husson, come from a sort of background in sort of independent French cinema. So a very interesting director. Yeah. And then David Farr was doing the last block. So I did the first and the last. And David obviously wrote the original film and is he's the creator of the series and the exec and writes it and or a lot of it. And uh, so he was doing the final to it. So it was kind of, there were lots of sort of reasons for, for wanting to get involved, really. Yeah, it's a great show to get involved with. There are six cinematographers across both seasons although you I think have done the most episodes out of everybody as far as I can tell according to the IMDB page when you're coming into something like that is there discussions between the cinematographers of of just keeping a a consistency across all the episodes you would think there would be (laughs) (laughs) that would make sense but um, perhaps a sort of funny time it it tends to be slightly crazed and you sort of you're spending half your time jumping out of uh, people carriers and looking at locations for 10 minutes and then running off them i think what tends to happen is if you're not doing the first block you tend to during prep you're watching you know the first block's being shot so every evening i would watch and i think most dps would watch what the first block had been shooting right so you can you're sort of just sort of taking it in really visually sort of you know you sort of immerse yourself in it and then of course you've got 
got, you know, a lot of the same locations, same cast, same production design, same costume. Um, yeah. Carly Redding was the production designer on this. She, uh, she worked wonders across four or five countries, you know, often yeah. building things simultaneously. Um, <laughs> so I think you, you sort of you, you sort of take it on by osmosis by being around it, really. You rarely sit down and have the chat with the other DP. But, it, it, you know, I think producers talk about the look and you're watching the rushes and it, it just kind of works like that, really. The other thing you've got in terms of consistency with this is you're shooting across quite a different set of locations. I mean, obviously there was London. I think Paris was in there. Where, yeah. where were the wood locations? Where were you shooting those? Uh, North Wales. Drizzly, really? North Wales. <laughs> well, okay. So, yeah. yeah. And then there's the house as well. Is Was that Wales or was that... Some... Uh, the sort of finishing school for the assassins is just south of Reading. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How are you keeping consistency across those different locations? in terms of the visual style as well and what are you doing in terms of the lighting for for that in terms of the visual style across the different countries and locations because we had yeah it was 10 weeks in london wales paris and dunkirk for the first block and then two months in barcelona for the third right yeah a lot of the consistency comes from what's put in front of the camera so you know carly redding's work anthony Unwin, the costume designer and sean the, the hair and makeup designer so so you've got that consistency you've got the cast of course and i think you know because they tend to try and keep the palettes similar or a similar level of saturation, you know, you're looking at quite similar things, really, or it feels like it's in the same world. Sometimes you're in and out of locations very quickly, and then you have to work a bit harder. Yeah. But, you know, having the same crew, having the same operator, knowing the lenses you are kind of leaning more heavily on for a close-up or a wide, having that consistency of gaffer is kind of the main thing, really. I think I think you sort of usually, once you're a couple of days into a job, you, you've kind of found your style, you know, and you're, you're sort of getting up to speed so i think i think it's that really it's the heads of department and it's coming up with a look and really knowing what you're going to be doing in prep so you know we'd look at a lot of images dropbox files with with references for different countries and um they can be stills or paintings or, or stills from photography or stills from uh, other films or dramas so i think you have that kind of lookbook in your head and quite often you do a presentation for the amazon or whoever the studio are before you start which is good really i think the more you talk about it even if you feel like you're repeating yourself the more you talk about it the more ingrained it becomes and the more it becomes like muscle memory when you're making creative decisions on set. And then, of course, you, we, we had a great colorist called Asa Shaw and a brilliant DIT called uh, James Hogarth. Right. So, James, you know, we were working with a LUT that we designed in prep that was in all the cameras, both cameras. That's kind of been built into the look. And... James then while we're shooting every day we just kind of he's off refining it whilst we're shooting refining it a little bit further so by the time you get into the grade it should feel pretty continuous and cohesive I guess yeah yeah are you tending to to go towards more towards natural light you know, where you can or are you using lighting rigs and stuff for the shots I guess it's a mix really I think um, what was so lovely about the first season was the mix I made it quite unique was this mix of kind of this fairy tale story of this girl coming out of the woods and being you know a uh, mm. fable-like quality that incredibly sensitively shot particularly that first step by Dana which really set the benchmark and ours was less fairy tale or sort of fable it was more coming of age story with kind of mother-daughter relationships at its core so you've got this kind of very it's very sensitive subjects with very kind of vulnerable characters at vulnerable ages and then you've got the mix of that and the part action thriller so I think 
it was kind of established quite early on that there should be a sensitivity to the lighting. It should yeah. be quite liberalistic. And I know at the beginning, when we sat down originally, Ava and I, the first block director, she was very keen that it felt naturalistic. It didn't feel too lit. Because some of it's quite far-fetched anyway, or quite heightened, she didn't want to alienate the audience. You know, we really felt that they would buy into the action. That's no problem. But it's the that's not really what it's about. It's about these sensitive issues and these sensitive relationships. And selling that is sort of key to hooking people on the show. And the best way to do that is to make it relatable visually somehow, you know, so it doesn't feel not, you know, not everything's perfect. Not everything's backlit and really lit and contrasty and, and perfect. It's, yeah. it's kind of kind of softness around the edges, I guess. It's like flariness to it. Yeah. So that's in, in a very long roundabout answer to your question. We did light it and there's a lot of big rigs, but we went for a very naturalistic style. Right. Yeah. In terms of the, the environments you're working in as well, I mean, there is a huge variety for that in, in terms of, like you say, wooded areas, you've got city areas, you've other things in there as well. That's quite a sort of big visual playground for somebody like you as a, as a DP to work with. Is that fun for you to do? Yeah, it's great. It's really nice. It's I think sometimes, the, you know, you do something like uh, a workplace drama and it's all set in offices and, and, and yeah. you know, the story might be wonderful, but visually... It, gets a bit tiring to just consistently keep hammering away at the same look so yeah no it's a dream to, to be going into sort of somewhere even if it's all you know shot just outside of reading or wherever <laughs> it is it, it's a dream going in every day and yeah okay so this is meant to be cia headquarters in i forget where it was or, or this is meant to be you know a wooded glade in eastern europe in romania or wherever uh no that keeps it really interesting you know you, you're playing with different looks every day and it keeps it stimulating and yeah fun you know and exciting and, and keeps you all on your toes do you have a particular scene on the show that you were particularly proud of how it came out or you're very happy with? I'm quite fond of the last episode, actually. The last two eps uh, shot with David Farr in Barcelona. David, he loves Spain. He will move there, I'm sure. <laughs> and Barcelona is his favourite city and he's been there a million times. And so when he wrote those episodes, he had all these wonderful locations in his mind, hmm. which is really rare because usually it's just a house, a whatever, and then you go and see someone and you pick one. But he was quite keen that we kind of you know hit all these unbelievable spots these kind of some of them quite touristy some of them quite off the beaten track and that meant a, a tough couple of months really because we were often doing two locations a day so you've got a unit move you've got another crew rigging the other location while you're shooting in this one then you finish there they come back tear it all down and jump ahead of you and and so logistically it was quite a tough couple of months but because of that it was huge amounts of fun and it meant that we saw loads of beautiful spots that we possibly wouldn't have if we'd been tourists. You know, we're filming dishes, ball rings and little sushi restaurants and nightclubs on the beach and villas up in the hills. And, um, you know, it, it was a really special time. It was a lot of fun. And I think because of that, and it's set over one day, the last episode, and because of that, I quite like the last 15 minutes of the last step, actually, hmm. because I think it's, 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 it's a sort of action-packed ep and there's a couple of gunfights and the stunts and people being thrown off buildings and all that kind of stuff. But there's this really lovely change of pace towards the end of the last step where this sort of melancholy comes in. Yeah. And uh, it kind of ties up Yasmin Monet Prince's storyline with her mother. Yes. I won't say too much. I don't know, you know, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. But um, her performance was just, I think she's brilliant. I, I just 
thought she was like a real standout star of the show and can't wait to see what she does next. But I think we knew that last step, we wanted a, that change of pace. And we were in about four or five different areas, locations in that last 10 minutes. And we wanted them all to have that kind of end of day feel. Mm. So we had a very sympathetic first AD called Mark Hedges, who managed to get us into these scenes, you know, at the end of the day, every time we were shooting over, you know, the previous four or five weeks. And I think it's just got a really nice melancholy that you don't necessarily expect, underpinned by Yasmin's performance. And um, yeah, I th- it's sort of not one stand-up scene. It's just kind of like the sense of the sun setting on the on the series and mm. their relationship and her going off. And I think particularly, you know, that change of pace coming from such a sort of action-packed episode is, is uh, yeah, I think it's nice. I really like it. Yeah, yeah, no, great, those, uh, those last couple of episodes. How was it working with David as a director? Because it's not something, I mean, he's much better known as a writer than he has directed a couple of things before. He actually did one of the episodes of Electric Dreams, which... You also worked on, but not the same episode. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. He did the, I did the first step, which well, we shot first. I think it was broadcast later, but and and he did the second step with a brilliant yeah. BP called Tony Slater Ling. And Tony and I met while well, we were both prepping for our reps. But I remember he was saying he was doing it with this uh, writer called David Farr. Yeah. So David's brilliant. He's a lot of fun, and he's got a very good sense of what's cinematic and a really good visual sense as well, which you wouldn't necessarily associate with a writer from a technical point of view. You know, he yeah. he knows what he wants to cut from and to so yeah he was a lot of fun he's, he's incredibly organized and we shot listed both eps weeks in advance we veered off from them slightly but we we pretty much stuck to them it was you know it felt quite streamlined despite it being challenging with a number of locations it, it felt pretty streamlined shoot and he had some great references stuff like point blank you know the lee marvin film yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and various others so we looked at lots of images and um no it's a real pleasure to work with him yes considering he's the person that has the entire story in his head as well as the sort of main writer of it it's sort of interesting although he's probably less experienced as a director than some of the others you work with with this particular show he knows it inside out i guess so exactly that yeah exactly that and it's, it's, it is good having that you're in prep and some of the days we did there's a shootout in um, a hotel lobby and then into a kitchen and yes uh, we storyboarded it and i think we can you know we could only do one day in that lobby because we were sort of blowing bits off shelves and putting yeah. bullets in walls and you know and all this stuff and uh, we looked at it and there was I don't know maybe 30 40 setups which is a huge amount you know normally yeah. you're looking 20 to 25 but that's without squibs and reloading blanks and the health and safety so it was great that rather than approaching the writer with our sort of tails between our legs saying, is there any way it could be simplified? David's putting lines through things here and sort of reinterpreting things he'd written earlier just to streamline it and get us through it. So it's, it's really helpful having the uh, the writer there, really. Yeah, and you're not going to have any animosity between the writer and the director of, over things being cut because it's the same person. So. <laughs> exactly that, exactly that. It's um, Yeah, I think it must be difficult for writers sometimes because, you know, they spent so long living it and, and dreaming it up that when someone gets in touch a producer gets in touch and says you know because of some pragmatic reason we had to cut that line or the other it must be very difficult for them to understand yeah so yeah it was great it was it was a real pleasure to work with David and he's, um, he's he's great you've done a few episodes of some other quite interesting shows as well you did Britannia a few episodes of that the second season That that's a wonderfully strange show to be working on I'm sure <laughs> it is yeah, yeah yeah it's bonkers it's it written by Jez Butterworth so uh, yeah. a brilliant writer I think he came in quite late to 
right season one. I think they had problems. I don't know quite what the backstory was. But um, yeah, it's, you know, anything goes. And Jez is just brilliant. Just being the read-through with him, he's, um, he's a real character. And there's a real sense that anything could happen when you're in prep and you're waiting for a script to come in after some changes. You know, <laughs> it, it, it could be set in one of the existing sets or it could be set in a Spanish galleon 50 miles out in the <laughs> sea, you know, with, with sort of mermaids diving down and a, a thousand skulls on the bottom of the sea. You, it's, you know, yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun. And anything goes. And um, th- that's great fun visually in terms of colour and contrast and all the little tricks and bits of fun you can have. And there's a great, always a great SFX department and VFX department on it. So you're sort of well supported. And there's an excellent producer called Rupert Ross Hodges. He's quite old school, but he's sort of been there, seen it, done it. And he's he's sort of the backbone of the production. And he's an incredibly calm and uh, good humoured man who sort of keeps it all ticking over. Mentioning VFX there, it's obvious there, there is going to be quite a lot of VFX in something like Britannia. It's less obvious in something like Hannah. How, how effects heavy actually is Hannah? Because it's one of those shows that I suspect there's an awful lot more in there than you actually realise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really deceptive. You know, it's little things like signage, you know, yeah. signage changes, particularly when we're shooting on the streets in Barcelona, political posters and things like that. Stuff you really wouldn't think of, you know, that are in Spanish in the background and then they get them checked and they realise actually this is a slightly dodgy thing to be broadcasting. Uh, nice. cont- contentious political issue over there, particularly last year. Uh, so it's little things like that. It's it's bullet hits in walls. It's the odd, I mean, we try and make sure there's very few, but you might catch the odd reflection of a crew member or camera, you know, little things. You, and you quite often don't see them on set. If you're, you know, doing a shootout in a essentially glass walled room right, we yeah. in, in that shootout, you know, it's little things like that. You might see someone waiting by camera or a reflection of a lamp, but they really add up. And obviously they take a little time. And the odd sky replacement, we've got sky in the beginning of ep eight. It's not sort of major stuff, yeah. but there's enough there to keep them pretty busy till the grade, certainly. So they've been, they tend to have been working away. Yeah. Mentioning reflections there. Have you seen this, this rig thing that they've used on the Mandalorian series? Yes. The, the, the sort of back, well, it's not back projection, the LED projection. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's something that you'd love to get your hands on. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? It's a really funny thing. I, yeah, I would. Yeah. I wouldn't, the thought of shooting for, four months in front of it or something is less appealing but yeah yeah i mean it's incredible isn't it um greg fraser was it that was doing the beginning of the mandalorian i read an interview with him about it but technology i mean it's terrifying isn't it you know it's yeah. green screen on acid it's it's just it's moving at such a pace now that you could shoot a whole film really in in, well, in that in that studio i mean it, you wouldn't want to <laughs> it's a very interesting tech particularly at the moment where you need to be able to control the environment to a certain extent when you know people go back to shooting i imagine things like that are going to be quite useful so very true yeah no very true i think everyone's it's gonna be interesting because i think a lot of productions have started up in the last two weeks yes uh, and yeah i think it's gonna be really interesting to see how that goes i was chatting to a, a the camera operator actually john hembra on mm. hannah who's, who's a brilliant man he's just starting a film and i think they may have extended the schedule a little bit bearing in mind you know, these new working practices. So it'll be interesting to see how tough it is to get through a page count every day when you yeah. know, this is involved. Yes, yeah. it, it's you're in for an interesting time, I think. Last couple of questions for you. First one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? We watched, we watched the first couple of episodes of a thing called um, I May Destroy You the other night. Oh, yes, yes. Just because we, we didn't know anything about it. We just heard a bit of hype about it and really enjoying that. I forget who the creator is, the actress, uh, the actor, um, really enjoying that. And I think... 
what's interesting about that is, is it couldn't really be made by a studio. You know, it's it's very much one voice, isn't it? It's cre- yeah. you know very much created by one person. And I think that's brilliant, and um, seems to be more and more of that. So uh, Michaela Cole is the person behind Michaela. it. Uh, yeah. yeah, created, written, part directed by, <laughs> exact produced by. Yes, very much her show. So yeah. um, and so stars. We, yes, yeah, we're really enjoying that. And what else we watched recently? Watched the Stephen King, The Outsider. Oh yeah, that was brilliant. Yes. Uh, we, yeah, I'm glad you said that. We really enjoyed it. it um, he's great, isn't he? The Australian actor Ben Mendelsohn. Yes, I could watch him in anything. I think he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and really beautiful shot, particularly his first episode. I thought and very classy, very kind of understated, brooding. Yeah, we really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think it's a mini series that, but I think there is also the possibility that you could move that on and do more with it. You know, with some of those Absolutely. characters, maybe. I mean, not all of them, but certainly yeah. some of the characters like um, Holly, the the sort of weird. Um, yes. Yeah, the, the, Cynthia, um, <laughs> uh, Arivo, I think her name is. That's so, it, Arivo. Cynthia Arivo. Yeah, she's fantastic, isn't she? Yeah, she's she's just amazing. Was was yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'd be interested to see if they do any more of that. Although it was it was pushed as a miniseries, so we'll see. But yeah, that was a great show. And last question: If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, can be something historical from the past, something in the present, or some future genre, what show would it be? Uh, and it can't be one you've worked on. Okay. Do you remember uh, a show called Warriors? I think it was a BBC drama. Oh, yeah, yeah. 2009 it was. Yeah. War, dra- war drama. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was just a brilliantly affecting look at Sarajevo, Bosnia and the conflict. I remember watching that and being quite blown away by it. I don't know how it's aged. I, I suspect rather well. Because I think it was directed by... Um, Peter Kaminsky. It was. Peter Kaminsky, exactly, yes. Wolf Hall would be another one. I, I, I love that trilogy of books. So yeah. maybe uh, maybe the most recent one in the future. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. The Mirror and the Light is the last one. Bringing Up Bodies is the second one. The Mirror and the Light is the third book. That's it. So yeah, I, I think I don't think they ever made Bring Up the Bodies, did they? No. But, um, so I guess it would be that or The or, or the Mirror and the Light. Preferably both and preferably <laughs> working with uh, Peter Kaminsky. Yeah, yeah. That would um, be great. Yeah, I think, I think those books are great. I really like Hilary Mantle's writing and obviously he's a brilliant director so uh, yes, that would be a good combination. Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting selection there. Though hopefully they will, uh, <laughs> they will I'm surprised given that they are a trilogy of books that they didn't make the, or they haven't yet made the Yeah, I wonder if the TV series, did the TV series cover both? Uh, maybe oh, maybe the TV series covered Wolf Hall and bringing up the bodies according uh, to this. Okay, so, fine. And maybe, so that's it. maybe they will make the third one then. If that covered the first two books, then maybe they will, will make the Mirror and the Light because that was yeah. only published this year. So that's right. It was. Yeah, I've got it sat on my. I'm looking at it now. Actually, I've got it sat, had it sat on my shelf for uh, the last couple of months. So it's reminded me to get into it. Yeah. So maybe that one will come next. Maybe that's when you can jump on board. That's um, the one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I shall let you get back to your day. Um, <laughs> thank you for spending some time to sit and talk to me i loved the first two seasons i'm very happy it's coming back for a third i will be definitely watching that when it comes out right well thanks dave i really enjoyed that been lovely uh, hopefully we'll talk again when your next thing comes out absolutely that'd be lovely i look forward to it talk to you soon All right. cheers take care Stay see you bye, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.